This world carries some pretty mixed messages. How do you sort out the facts from the fiction? Sometimes you just need the real scoop without the BS. Well, here we go. Welcome to No BS Talk with Julie Turner and Brad Lovell. Get ready for awareness, insight, and fun. Now, here are your hosts, Brad and Julie. Exciting new things today, Brad. I love exciting new things, Julie. So do I. And we are sincerely going to bring you something exciting and new. But first, mm-hmm. welcome to No BS Talk. Where there will be no BS. Because we know BS. We do. We do know BS. So we actually are debuting a new piece of our show. A new piece of our show. Yeah. So to recap, up until now, we've talked about foundations. Mm-hmm. What are our foundations, Brad? Our foundations are nutrition. Sleep, movement, relationships. They certainly are. We've also talked about alternatives. Alternatives to what, Brad? We've talked alternative medicine. Yes. We've talked alternative movement. Ooh, I guess we have. That is a good point. A little bit with Lee. Yes, we have. And in the future, we will talk about alternative <clears throat> of all kinds of things. And and another one I'd really like to just put out there, if anybody's listening and, and has something they want to talk about on this mm-hmm. item, is alternative lifestyles. Whatever that means to you. If you just heard that word and it went, oh, to you, then that we want to talk to you. We want to talk to you. Absolutely. So, so, yeah. so today, mm-hmm. what are we going to do today? Well, we're going to, as, as we've gone along with this show, which is totally geared to try and put things, you know, in a little bit more, uh, I don't want to say palatable, uh-huh. but it, to frame things a little different as far as wellness and what people can take away from it. We've literally kinda, cut out the BS. We've literally cut out the BS. And some of this stuff is like, well, what you're talking about is not necessarily BS. But I mean, it is BS because we have a tendency to push pull against a lot of this kind of stuff, depending on our perspectives, right? And don't forget that sometimes BS is our belief systems. I love it when you roll that in because you get me every time with that. I know. I do love that as well. But uh, where I was kind of going with this is uh, just to put it out there before we get into it is we've kind of, as we've gone along with the show, we've found, you know, we've started putting things in foundations and alternatives. Mm -hmm. So today, like you said, we are going to unveil a new section of the, the show and that is what's your story share your story or what's your story that's right and we are super excited to have a guest on today but we want to thank our previous guests as well Mm because even though they fell into the different categories yeah everybody's got a story and we don't want to to say that you know you can't tell a bit of your story if you maybe feel you fall into foundations but this person today specifically has really his story is his purpose his his passion and now his Very career yes. so that's important but again we do want to we do want to thank some of our past sponsors and guests yeah absolutely like wendy michelle yes she was great we love wendy michelle dealing with nutrition mm-hmm. dr nick jensen dr nick jensen who's actually part of the team of jensen's him and his wife sonia have a naturopathic clinic in vancouver mr lee davy absolutely mr lee davy who as you mentioned, gave us some alternatives to movement. Yeah. So the, our traditional go to the gym, he gave us a couple of opportunities there. And we cannot forget. The lovely and very outgoing Miss Maureen McGrath. Absolutely. Our sexpert, mm-hmm. as she's so warmly known. So 
And we also had Kelly from doTERRA. Mm -hmm. So Kelly from doTERRA is one of our resident experts. Mm -hmm. And she is with us anytime that you have a question about alternative medicines, i.e. oils. She also does alternative therapies herself. Yep. So we just wanted to give a little shout out. Yep. And Darcy outside the box absolutely he's kind of our back support he likes to uh he works in websites and digital media what yep. else does darcy do well digital marketing that's yes cool. digital, digital marketing yes absolutely so we've got this amazing team that is supporting us and i almost forgot i almost forgot like somebody who really is our, our right hand who is with us on our facebook lives mm -hmm. and she supports us by keeping us on track because brad and i have no idea what's going on most of the time and who is that who do we give credit for that to miss monica spinkles hawkins <laughs> oh yes spinkles hawkins love it okay Okay, now I got to jump in really okay. quick before you jump I away. can tell if you can see her face, you can tell she's going somewhere. Okay. Before you go somewhere, oh, I just want to do a shout out because we've been talking. We're talking about people supporting the show. <gasps> we just want to thank right. everybody listening for yes. for supporting our show. Um, as we're going along, we would like to think that we're getting better. We're, we're more on top of it. <laughs> I and don't want to think that. I want to think I was always a rock star, Brad. Maybe we're completely going sideways all the time. Maybe that's what this is. But we are seeing, again, Canada, United States, and... I finally saw some viewers from the Netherlands. Did you? Oh, that's fabulous. So Brad was a little upset. I don't know if somebody like from one of the other countries gave a phone call to the Netherlands. I can just see what that looked like. Yeah. Just pick so, up the big Netherlands phone. So thanks and, for uh, listening yeah. wherever you are. And wherever you are, find us on Facebook and drop us a line. We would love to hear what you have to have to say. And now Canada and the US are pretty much neck and neck for our, t our top two. Right. So I want, I want somebody to pull out in front. You guys figure out who it is. Okay. And again, thank you for listening. Yes. So without further ado, mm -hmm. we are gonna to have our inaugural, is that how they say that word? Sure. I'm just I'm good making with sure. That. Okay, perfect. Share your story episode. Mm -hmm. And who are we having on our show today? We had this lovely gentleman by the name of Larry Linton show up somehow. I know how. And, uh, you know, we talked to Larry a little bit. Julie talked to Larry a little bit. And I did. It was a... I thought, you know what? How did that go down? Okay. So before we get into who really Larry is, we'll, we'll keep you guys on tender hooks here. Mm -hmm. I was reached out to by somebody else who said, you know, I, I met this wonderful man and he's got a very interesting story. I think he's a fit for your show. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, well, let's have a conversation with this man. And within about the first maybe one sentence I was sold but he he continued to tell me his story and I'm not like the most visibly emotional person but I'm easily moved and I at the end of him telling me his story I said and he can he can <laughs> he can attest to this I said first of all I want to tell you I love you mm -hmm. and second of all we would absolutely love to share your story and have you on the show so he's just really authentic and and it really made me realize that we have this amazing platform to mm -hmm. share people with. Mm -hmm. And why would we not use it to get people out there? Well, this is how this, is how this story section kind of came about. Absolutely. Really, because we've been interviewing experts. Mm -hmm. We've been interviewing people that have, you know, seasoning and experience in their fields. Mm -hmm. But really, when it comes down to it, somebody with a story like this can 
transform people as well. Without a doubt. And we, we tend, up until now, we tend to concentrate on what they do and with a little snippet of their story to get so that you can get to know them. But yeah. his story is what he does. So how about I read a little bit about the man? You, you can do that. Ladies That'd and gentlemen, you are going to love this episode. Larry Linton was progressing steadily through his career as a corporate immigration lawyer when he came face-to-face -face with the life-altering diagnosis of Parkinson's disease in 2012. In his first book, which we're going to talk about, Larry takes us on his life's journey before and after his diagnosis and how he reinvented himself emotionally and physically to live a life with Parkinson's disease that, in many respects, is more rewarding and fulfilling and meaningful after his diagnosis. By sharing his life lived so far with Parkinson's disease and the coping skills that he has developed, Larry hopes to inspire others faced with a chronic illness or life-changing event to live their best and most authentic lives. So basically where he's going with this topic today is don't wait for any diagnosis. Live each day like you just got bad news yesterday. And that is, that's kind of something that you hear in country music songs. Mm -hmm. To live McGraw. each day like you were dying, yeah. that kind of thing. And it's, it's really, really relevant. And how often we do it. Let me tell you something. Please do, Brad. Please do. Let me tell you something. You're not going to stop me. <laughs> you know, how many times have we said, okay, you know, I'm re feeling really crappy about the world. Right. And... You know, then I thought about somebody who's maybe not got it as good as me, and that made me feel better. Okay, well, this is a little bit of that on steroids, so to speak. Because are we actually really listening to ourselves when you say that, you know? See, and I, I frame that very, very differently. See, the way that I, I look at it mm -hmm. is... And I, I like your outlook. Again, it's just, it's just not where my well, head goes when I say stuff like that. Where my head goes when I say stuff like that are the days when you're like, oh, I'd really like to, and maybe it's even something as simple as phone somebody or go for a drive or whatever you're going to do, but you're like, but I have to do this. Mm -hmm. And whatever your have to do's, unless you are like an emergency room doctor or a surgeon or, you know, a new mother and you've got a baby sitting in front of you, most of us can put off our have to's for the moment that it takes to do the other thing mm -hmm. and we don't right we and sometimes it's because we have a sense of fear uh maybe we're we're you know that underlying we're going to get in trouble i often talk about the inner child and i talk about how sometimes it's not the adult in us making the decision it's the the child in us that mm -hmm. is afraid to to lose something or afraid to be out of control or afraid of rejection or whatever the case may be a little off topic but the fact is that we all have the power to do the things that we want to do and stop putting them off. Just stop putting them off. Sometimes mm. you have to put them off for that moment or even that hour, even that day, but don't put them off for eternity, right? We, we need to actually start doing the things that, that we're passionate about. I don't think we've mentioned um, bucket lists on this show, have we? Uh, I think we touched on it briefly, but we didn't really dive into it. Right. So I, I just want to talk just for a minute about bucket lists very broadly. Uh, I don't know about you, Brad, but mm -hmm. for a long time, my bucket list was very much, um, you know, 
pushing my boundaries and and physical things that maybe I wanted to have or or learn and that kind of thing. But I've significantly changed what my bucket list looks like. I think that's probably an ongoing process. I haven't really thought about bucket list that much. There's just stuff I want to do. So I guess, yeah, that's the way it falls into it. <laughs> Brad's just, you know, been very focused for his entire life on being a rock star and he achieved it. Um, now, you know, he just needs to continue to be that rock star in, in every <laughs> angle and every way in your life. So well, what I mean by the shift in the bucket list mm-hmm. is, like I said, I went from somebody who wanted to achieve things or have things, um, learn things, to how I wanted to feel about my life mm-hmm. in the different areas. And I don't know that many people look at their bucket list, and I'm doing air quotes, that way. Right. But now it's more of a, instead of goals, and with my clients will recognize this right away, instead of goals, I talk about standards. Mm-hmm. And I do that with my overarching bucket list as well. I would agree with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, because in my life recently too, you know, you're always assessing. Right. And I think that I'm having a movement towards, um, I'm just having a movement. Oh, Sorry. I was so going to leave that one alone, <laughs> and then you just had to say it again. I'm like, no, I think it's just mo- setting himself up. I think it's kind of moving more towards feelings. How do how do I feel? How do as I, opposed to yeah. what am I achieving? Like, right? Are my achievements based on how I feel, mm. or are they based on how much money I make, or how much stuff I got? Because what does an achievement matter if it doesn't actually support you right. mentally, emotionally in your life? Because when I sit down and think about it, you know, me being me, and I'm just me. Um, you know, I've spent as much time trying to get myself together emotionally as I have practicing my guitar, <laughs> right? And if you look at my guitar skills, some could call them pretty shoddy. So, <laughs> but my point is, is I don't know when who you those spend, people are. When you not spend me. that much time trying to think about making yourself happy and well guided and all of that kind of stuff, maybe it makes sense to actually give a little bit more credibility to basing decisions on how you feel. For sure it should. And and for me, I don't spend a lot of time trying to be happy. I I'm, I won the lottery in that way that I do actually wake up happy every day. And stuff can happen to take that, mm-hmm. you know, high level emotion away. But I do wake up happy every day. But what I also really make sure in everything that I experience, I'm kind of in touch with how I'm feeling about that experience. Mm. And if I'm not feeling like it's a great experience, then I need to shift it. The responsibility's on me. Right. Right? So. Now, that's a great segue because I want to tell you what I find fascinating about Larry's book. Okay. And I'm very excited to speak with him. Yes. Today. The thing I find fascinating is that in his book, he pretty much emphatically states that after his diagnosis with Parkinson's disease, after figuring out what he needed to do, he actually says, my quality of life is better with Parkinson's disease than it was before. Amazing. And so this is the, this is the really interesting thing about what we're gonna discuss with Larry in this episode, and I encourage everybody to stay with us because I think it's gonna be fascinating, is how does somebody come to that determination after something, after a diagnosis that is, to some people, a life sentence? Absolutely. I, I, How do you Many, get past many that? people. I know lots of people who have gone through the diagnosis of something such as Parkinson's, mm-hmm. if not Parkinson's. Mm-hmm. And, and yes, they kind of go, okay, well, that's it for me. So 
before we get um, too close to the break here, yep. Larry actually did release his book last week. So he released the book. I think it's on the 7th, if I'm not mistaken. He can correct me later. And this book is the story of a reluctant hero navigating the traumas of life after a life-altering diagnosis. After going through a long-term debilitating stage, debilitating stage of grief, Larry emerges to find life worth living and enjoy again. That's pretty amazing. His book is called Shaken, Not Stirred. And that alone. Living with Parkinson's disease. Shaken, Not Stirred. Larry has a sense of humor about this. Larry definitely has a sense of humor. I can't wait till you guys get to hear from him. So, we're coming up to a break. I would encourage everybody to join us after the break. And, of course, on Facebook Live after the show on Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Are we going to go at 3 p.m. today? I think we're going to go 3 p.m. I think that we're going to stay with 3 p.m. for a bit. Pacific Standard Time. (laughs) Thank you very much, Brad. Thank you guys very much for being with us so far. Please join us after this next break. What you doing, Brad? Well, I'm looking at clouds and contemplating life thanks to Outside the Box. Oh? Yeah, since we have a system to take care of our digital stuff, I have time to do this. Well, thank goodness for Darcy at Outside the Box Digital. Yeah, reach out to Darcy at OutsideTheBoxDigital.com. For a free review of your digital systems to maximize your time and effort. Hey, hey, Julie, is that is that cloud over there? Is that a... Uh, it's an autocumulus. I was going to say squirrel. Hmm. Creativity, history shows, endless stories of tortured creative geniuses. You're creative, but it's just not coming. You're creative, but you're afraid to show it? Brad Lovell specializes in stress, anxiety, and creative performance enhancement through hypnotherapy and the unique knowledge of creativity. How to own it and how to value it. You're creative, and you deserve it. Maybe it's time to keep the creative genius and forget about the tortured. Contact Brad now at bradlovellmusic.com. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to No BS Talk with Julie Turner and Brad Lovell. If you'd like to be a part of our community, why not visit us at NoBSTalk.ca. Leave us any questions or comments about the show. We would love to hear from you. That address again is knowbstalk.ca. Now, back to the show. Well, here we are, round two. No BS Talk. Really? I'm Brad Lovell, and this is my friend Julie Turner. Hi, everyone. We're excited. What do we got, Julie? We are excited. As we said before the break, we've got a new type of segment. Mm-hmm. And so we have our first ever guest on the Share Your Story segments from No BS Talk. Super excited to welcome Larry Linton to the show. Hi, Larry. Hi. Well, thanks for having me. Thank you so much for being here. So as we told you guys before, Larry has a very interesting story, and he's just very recently released a book. But before we get into his who he is and all that kind of stuff, um, what was your defining moment to, to make you want to be on a show like this? What brought you here? 
I think the issue with me is uh, I'm trying to live my best life with Parkinson's. And as I wrote about my experience, uh, both with blogs and, and my book, um, I thought people would want to learn and hear about some of the coping skills that I've learned. Parkinson's is a very complex uh, illness and disease, and, and it's a very serious topic. And I think it's important for us to try and live our best lives during those moments and, and, and even laugh at ourselves sometimes, but it does take some, um, some doing. And what I'm trying to share with people is, is um, you know, we take it seriously, but, but also let's enjoy ourselves. So the reason for uh, talking about it is to inspire others to live their best and most authentic lives possible. That's awesome. Could you maybe give us a little bit about your background, Larry, you know, uh, you know, before your diagnosis? Yeah, before my diagnosis, I was uh, progressing steadily through a corporate immigration practice. I'm probably, as you can tell from my accent, I, I'm originally from South Africa and spent some time in New Zealand and had about a 30-year corporate immigration practice, both in New Zealand and Canada, and was, steadying, was, was progressing through my corporate career pretty steadily. And then unfortunately in 2012 was formally diagnosed with Parkinson's. I, I developed some motor symptoms about three years before that, but, um, you know, denied what I had. And it took about three years to get to that formal diagnosis. I, I had lost my father to heart disease um, at a very young age. He was 45 when he passed away from heart disease. And I thought that my life's challenge would be taking care of my heart. Little did I know that at the age of 49, I'd be dealing with a major chronic illness uh, and condition uh, with Parkinson's. Yes, uh, it's interesting. Sometimes we're, we're focused somewhere completely different. Um, not that I think that there's anything you could have specifically done, although maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, people have asked me about, you know, what do I thought, what I think the causes of Parkinson's was in my case. And, and really, I, I don't spend too much time thinking about it. Unfortunately, I've got what I've got. And I've chosen to accept it. It took me a while to, to accept it into my life. But I'm more focused about living well with it, not, not the causes that gave rise to it. Because I think, you know, living well with Parkinson's is something that I can control the cause and, and also the cure is out of my control. So all I do is focus on my day-to-day -day, uh, living. So if I could ask you, did it take you a while to come to that frame of mind? Before you answer that question, though, I just want to preface that, that Larry is not a doctor. So, you know, I'm sure that you do have people asking you all kinds of questions that are maybe appropriate and maybe not appropriate. So... Larry has a, a specific reason for, for speaking out, and it's an amazing reason, but it's not so he can do research on Parkinson's or, um, or to not have Parkinson's be in the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's right. That, that's so good. For interrupting, I just wanted that to, to be understood well, by that, the listeners. That gives me, I'd I just like to preface that question a little bit, because one of the things that Julie and I are always trying to get at is, you know, what is our mental status? Like, why are we thinking the way we're thinking? What is causing it? You know, trying to break down those things. So, you know, in your case, you know, you had to go from A to B. Oh, very definitely. I, I went through the five stages of mourning and grief. There's no question about it. And it took me about two years to work through, you know, the anger, denial, the bargaining, and then ultimately the acceptance. 
I mean, the acceptance came at a point in my, in my life where I was literally alone on a Saturday night. My whole family had sort of given up on, on, on me because I had become a, a recluse. You know, the day of diagnosis is, is, is pretty traumatic. It, it brought a sense of relief to a certain extent, but then having to, to deal with such a chronic illness without knowledge about the illness um, threw me into a complete... Uh, anxiety-driven mindset that I couldn't even leave the house. When I got to the office some days, I, I, would, I would jump into a taxi to come all the way home and then started developing panic, uh, developed, uh, panic attacks that, you know, had, had me at home uh, for, for a couple of days at a time. So it, the day of diagnosis was a relief, but also the start of, of a very um, dark period of time to the point of, of um, complete loneliness. And, and the realization, though, that at some point I was a 51-year-old at the time, still working, still mid-career, still had children and family to support. And I realized that even at that dark moment that I had to get on with my life. So it's at that point of acceptance that my life started moving again and I regained the slowly but surely the the joy and benefit of living but there were some dark days going into it well, that, it's interesting that you should mention that because as you're saying that um i'm listening to you and I'm, I'm feeling how that must have felt and please tell me if i'm wrong but when you get diagnosed with something and i have read your book as well as has brad mm -hmm. um when you get diagnosed with something like this I believe, uh, we are hypnotherapists, coaches, etc. I believe that there should be a support immediately. There should be something that you, that you get more than a pamphlet handed to you that says, you know, this is likely what you're going to go through because we're all individuals and we don't go through things the same. How do you feel now, um, looking back, do you think that if you had had the opportunity to speak to someone that you would have taken it? Let's start there. Oh, definitely. I mean, 10 years later, I wish I would have done things differently. Uh, the first thing I do as I write in my book is, you know, came home, fired up my laptop and, and typed in Parkinson's disease into my laptop. And, and I was overwhelmed with the, with the images and, and the stories. And I had no terms of reference about what I was seeing and what I was reading. There was a whole new world, a whole new vocabulary that I didn't understand. And, and looking back, I wish there was immediate support offered as part of that first initial meeting with my neurologist. I think it's so important to have the community um, available as soon as possible. You have to get to that acceptance stage mm -hmm. to, you know, to, to have that. But I think it would have been a lot easier if I knew that there were resources immediately available to me and available to me to answer those questions that I lay awake at night thinking about that I had no answers for. Yeah. So um, looking back, uh, uh, references and, and resources are critically important to, to establishing a, a, a health plan because Parkinson's is, is a community illness. I mean, it's a community in the sense that I, I have it, but my wife and family share the responsibility. They've had to adapt their roles accordingly um, to me as much as I have to them. And that expands out to the community at, at a whole. It took me 10 years to get to a, 
Parkinson Canada support group. And I wish that I would have been able to know about it or be willing to go to it a lot earlier. Um, because, you know, in, in about an hour, we went around the table and we all shared our stories and it was therapeutic more than anything else. And there were veterans like me, you know, 10 years in, there were some that were newly diagnosed, some on medication, some not taking medication. And we had this free flowing debate and, and discussion and it, it answered questions immediately right there and then in live real time, as opposed to, you know, fretting behind a computer trying to get the answers myself. Or, or lying uh, awake at night trying to sort through it in your own mind. Absolutely. Absolutely. What I love is, is you've probably actually answered a couple of questions in this few minutes for somebody that maybe has been diagnosed themselves, because of course people are going to, we're going to tag this with Parkinson's. So they've either been diagnosed themselves or know, know somebody that has, like even a question like, am I going to be on medication for the rest of my life? Well, you just said some are, some aren't. That's so right. you read, this is the medication that you'll be on for the rest of your life. You assume these things right. without any real understanding because who, know, who knows who wrote that. So right. this is Share Your Story. So we would love it if you would share a bit of, you know, just maybe a synopsis. Get people excited about, about hearing your story. And then in the next segment, we'll go into what you're doing with that now. But we'd love to hear a bit of your story if that, if that works for you. Yeah, I think that the best part that has come out of my Parkinson's diagnosis is my ability to, to have time to focus on the important things in life. And when I've given the opportunity, I, I say to people, don't wait for that diagnosis. Live, live your life as if you, you got a diagnosis yesterday or bad news yesterday. Enjoy the moment. Don't worry about the past or don't worry about the future. So my biggest, my biggest plus that has come out of it is, is, is living mindfully in the present. And I think that's the biggest thing that's come out of it. Can I ask you a question on that right on, right on the fly here? Sure. What is the last thing that you remember doing that was a change because of this situation? Like, do you, does something come to mind that you're like, oh, I never would have done that before. I wouldn't have made the time. Well, I, I, to be honest, um, um, meditation was something that was very foreign to me mm -hmm. because, um, you know, I thought of people sitting around in, in you know, in a lotus position and, mm -hmm. and humming okay. and, and, and doing that. But I realized how important breath and breathing is to control anxiety. And one thing that is very important is the practice of mindfulness. I mean, everybody in Parkinson's will tell you that exercise is great and diet is very important, but, but you've also, there's also a, a, a visible non-motor symptoms that, that are prevalent. And mindfulness is exactly what is needed in that world because just by focusing on your breath and breathing can bring the anxiety level straight down to deal with those symptoms oh, specifically for Parkinson's. Absolutely. And I'll tell you what fascinated me about your book. Um, and I think that this, this episode and interview is so important is because what you're saying is not specific to Parkinson's disease. What you just covered on breathing and, and meditation, I think is applicable to anybody. And the fact that you said it was a foreign thing and you envisioned people in the Lotus position, that what you just said is exactly so much of why we do this show. I hope it was, I was correct saying the Lotus position. Yes, you are. You are. Yeah. <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> See how foreign it was here? But 
really, that's what I love. I'm so glad that we're talking to you. Absolutely. And, you. and what, what Brad was alluding to is people have a visual of what something means or is. And right. they don't delve into it because it's not their thing. But they right. have no idea if it's their thing or not. They just assume it. And then when you come to a crisis in your life or some type of trauma and you're reaching out for whatever you can grab, sometimes the things that weren't your thing are your savior. So thank you very much for sharing that. Um, and we just totally interrupted you. Yes. <laughs> yes, we did. So hopefully you can bounce with that. Roll with it. That's right. Yeah. Let me, maybe I can suggest where you pick up somewhere because I do remember reading about, you know, what I'll call your ground zero point and you right. just literally got up and you went to your treadmill, I believe it was. Yes, right, right. And you, you've been a, a runner in the past, correct? Yep, yep, that's correct. And so after all of this time fighting with, you know, whatever was going on in your head, you just simply got up that night and went on your treadmill and that yes. turned into running long distances again. Yeah, that's right. It turned into running half marathons, uh, mm -hmm. three in five years. Um, but it also took me back to drumming and, and music because growing up in South Africa, I was, a, I was musically inclined, I should say. I was a, I was a frustrated amateur drummer, um, you know, banging my mother's furniture to pieces as a young kid in South Africa until she bought me a, a drum set, but that didn't last uh, too long because uh, we didn't have all the tech, you know, today to play silently on electric right. drums. Right. Yeah. But the, I, I was focusing on the physicality of my condition at that time. The running helped my, my dragging foot. Um, but I thought that returning to drumming would help the tremor in my right hand that I had developed. And the more I played the better it got and the better I felt because I, was, I lost myself in the, in the musicality. I was just enjoying drumming. So I purchased an electric drum set. I, I purchased bongos and congas and timbales and kayons and, and cowbells. You can never have enough cowbells. Well, and I, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> if, we panned, if we panned around where we are right now, you'd see a whole bunch of musical instruments. So Yeah, and, okay. and I've realized that, that musicians have bigger brains, apparently, and, and better wired brains, apparently. Yeah, that's what they say. So that's what they say. So that's one it's benefit. not what I'd say. <laughs> yeah. say. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that sort of helped me, um, uh, you know, to develop my musicality, which is good, as well as deal with the physical symptoms of, of, of it as well. And so then I started taking Latin drumming lessons and ventured out to some open mics and, and was in, invited to play in the Beaches Jazz Festival uh, two years ago. Um, and, and my favorite song, which, I'm play, which the band plays, is Shaky Ground by The Temptations. <laughs> so when that comes out, they always give a shout out to Larry because I'm known as the, as the conga dude. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not known as the guy with Parkinson's, but Shaky Ground has a very special place in my heart. I <laughs> right. would imagine. I, I love that you you not only got back to some things that you were doing before, but that they have actually helped you. So so often, whether it's Parkinson's or whether it's arthritis or other um, disorders that that we feel have debilitated us, I think a lot of people just stop. Right. Up. Yeah. What what pushed you? I, I think I, I get there. I realized that, that with Parkinson's that I wasn't an eight-year-old with, with, an, with an old person's disease in Parkinson's. I was in my mid-50s. I had to keep going. Um, right. I had to provide. Um, I had to keep working. 
I, I still had dreams and, and, and futures, but it, it goes through that roller coaster to that acceptance. But I mean, even today, uh, I do have off periods. I'm not saying that every day is, is mm-hmm. golden, but, but at least I've got the coping mechanisms to either laugh at myself or to take a break or to, to know how to deal with that. I mean, another favorite uh, issue, well, not a favorite, that's a bad choice of word, but another issue with Parkinson's is freezing. Sometimes we can literally be walking and we freeze and we can't take another step. We can't initiate a forward step. So I developed some techniques. Uh, you know, I recall Monty Python and John Cleese from the Ministry of Funny Walks, or I, or I play a, music, a song in my head to break it. So these are some things where we have to look at, at, at the coping skills and, and not take life as seriously every minute of the day. That's wonderful. Thank That's you awesome. so much, Larry. We are going to take a really quick break. Yeah. But you guys need to join us after this break. Larry's going to be back with us. He's going to share a bit more of his story and then what he's doing now. I'm excited. Me too. Thank you, guys. We'll be right back. Change. It's constant. How you cope with change in your life can be both a challenge and an opportunity because change is growth. Julie Turner assists clients with health, relationships, and career to expose the opportunity in change and to create a better human experience. Remember, it's not about changing who you are. It's about letting go of who you are not. Get unstuck. Reach out now at julieturner.ca. What you doing, Brad? Well, I'm looking at clouds and contemplating life thanks to outside the box. Oh? Yeah, since we have a system to take care of our digital stuff, I have time to do this. Well, thank goodness for Darcy at Outside the Box Digital. Yeah, reach out to Darcy at OutsideTheBoxDigital.com. For a free review of your digital systems to maximize your time and effort. Hey, hey, Julie, is that is that cloud over there? Is that a... Uh, it's an autocumulus. I was going to say squirrel. Hmm. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You're listening to No BS Talk with Julie Turner and Brad Lovell. If you'd like to be a part of our community, why not visit us at NoBSTalk.ca. Leave us any questions or comments about the show. We would love to hear from you. That address again is knowbstalk.ca. Now, back to the show. Okay, well, here we are. Welcome back to No BS Talk, round three for this show about your story. We're here with Larry Linton. And I have to say right off the cuff, Larry, you're a guy after my own heart. You've, uh, you've talked about meditation and breathing and music and and the enjoyment of music and getting back to things. I just am loving what you're saying. What do you Thanks. think, Julie? Absolutely. I absolutely love what he's talking about. I, I, as I said, I, I kind of fell in love with Larry when I spoke to him. Mm-hmm. Well, how can you not? Right? So if you would, <laughs> we would love you to continue where we left off just before the break. Thank you guys for coming back. So Larry was just saying that he's got some – some tips and tricks that he keeps in his own mind so that he can move forward when he gets kind of stopped by some of the situations that Parkinson's bring up. Yeah. 
Uh, one of my recent challenges that, I, that I've faced with, with the progression of Parkinson's is, is cognitive um, development or, you know, cognitive impairment. Unfortunately, that is uh, one of the symptoms that, that is uh, part of the disease and condition. And when I, when I spoke about in, the, in the, the earlier sessions about mindfulness and breathing, this technique has helped me um, in, in to deal with that because I think the issue of cognitive um, functionality is to do with your breath because there were times when I was in a boardroom at a high level in my previous corporate career where when I was asked a question, uh, you know, I panicked and, and didn't have, couldn't find the words because uh, losing your words and your comprehension is is unfortunately one of the uh, ongoing issues with Parkinson's. But slowing down, breathing, taking the time, asking for the question to be rephrased, you know, before answering, just giving yourself even one second to think about a response allowed me to calm my breath to formulate a response and then answer that as opposed to humming or hawing or, or trying to make a joke out of it. But th that was a real challenge for me. But, but again, this mindfulness and breathing uh, certainly helped. So before answering a question, I would ask a rephrase. You know, I would say things like, oh, before I answer that, could you just clarify what you're saying? Or did I hear you correctly when you asked that? So that gave, gives you time and gave me time to formulate a response. But it reached a point where um, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't happy with where I was. Unfortunately, this disease is, is progressive. And, and so I chose to retract myself from the corporate world to, to focus on my day-to-day -day life. And uh, when I got that cognitive impairment diagnosis, because that's really a second diagnosis. Mm -hmm. My first diagnosis, you know, was based on the, on the physical motor symptoms of Parkinson's, but cognitive is internal. And, and when, when that happened, I decided that it was time to sort of step away and, and focus on my, my well-being. Um, but the other issue I wanted to talk about is, you know, the, the invisibility of Parkinson's because people who see me say, wow, Larry, you, you look terrific. You know, I, you, 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 you don't, there's no shaking, there's no tremor. Um, but unfortunately, some of the symptoms are internal. And, and therefore, you know, if you're in a, in a corporate environment, you may not know that a person has got Parkinson's, but there is a challenge every day uh, with Parkinson's to, uh, when, when faced with the, these kind of things. So I, I, I write in my book that, you know, it's, we shouldn't be judged uh, by, by being looked at um, and that sometimes, you know, things internally are not what they seem externally to others. And you certainly don't have to have Parkinson's for that to be the situation either. Correct. And I was going to say with your the comment on mindfulness and, and actually repeating back what the person has said just to give yourself a moment, that is a great tip for anybody. And I actually, right. I actually suggest that people do that in, in normal conversation so that the other person is sure that they heard them correctly as well. So that's, that's correct. a great tip all around. Mm -hmm. You know, if That's you repeat back, so what you're asking me is, it gives you a breath, but it also allows the person to say, no, that's not what I'm asking you, right. or yes, that is what I'm asking you as well. Right. Clear communication. Yeah. And, I, and I can understand what you said about being in that environment. We both worked in the corporate environment. There's a lot going on. You're in an office that can be fairly high pressure. So it is easy for anybody to actually have that exact 
For right. sure. And, and not to downplay the effects of Parkinson's no, by any means, but a lot of people listening don't have it and they're like, oh my goodness, maybe that's me. So right. that actually brings me, um, and I know we, we did ask Larry to tell a story, but now we're asking a whole, many, whole bunch of questions because we're just way too interested. Yeah. Um, and we know that he's got so much, he's got 10 years to, to, to tell us about and then the future as well. But, you know, one of the things that we talked about on our first segment is how we believe in the foundations. And when I was reading your book, I, I know that it, a lot of it really resonated with me, you know, from the nutrition and the movement, as we've already talked about. Now, certain things like sleep, how much does, does sleep play a part in, in your self-care now? Well, sleep, sleep is very important. And, and uh, with Parkinson's, the more sleep we can get, the better. Uh, unfortunately, one of the, the side effects of the, of the illness is lack of sleep. Um, but it's, it's interesting. My, my day starts very early. I, I mean, I could be awake any, anything from about 4 o'clock in the morning. Uh, but, but the mornings are my best, best parts of the day. Mm-hmm. I, I engage in, in firstly gratitude when, before, while I'm lying in bed, I think of, of one thing that I'm grateful for. Then I have a 15 or 20 minute mindfulness, um, uh, session with myself, sitting quietly, focusing on my breath. And then during that time, I've taken my, my set of medication. So within an hour, I'm ready to exercise, and, and that is a strenuous exercise um, that's either running, cycling, uh, boxing, um, you know, and, and so I do that, and um, sorry, I've lost my train of thought. That's okay. I was just thinking, wow, um, we ask people to just make sure they do something every day for about an hour, and I even suggest gardening. So you guys right. do not yes. want Larry to be your coach <laughs> unless yeah. you are ready to achieve. Um, which you are, but but it's 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 you've got to do something. Uh, I, I think it's every doctor, uh, and I'm not a doctor, and I'm pleased you said that. But every doctor will say that exercise and movement, particularly with Parkinson's, is very important. A sedentary lifestyle is 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 the worst. Now, some people um, can't move or or have very uh, great difficulty in moving, but but even standing up, even sitting in a chair, raising your arms. Doing something is better than nothing. I mean, I, I'm fortunate in the sense that I can still exercise strenuously after 10 years with the disease, but I think it's because I've exercised that that the symptoms are, are holding at bay. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I encourage everybody to, to, to move as much as they can. I know I always do. Move as much as I can and encourage it as well. Right. But I definitely am a mover. Um, so the other thing it, from a foundation standpoint and nutrition, um, first of all, it, maybe we should go into nutrition just for a brief moment because nutrition, of course, is very important. And I think the average person just assumes that they can do whatever they want. If it's on the shelf, they can eat whatever they want. And then something mm-hmm. like this happens where your body is more sensitive and you have to pay attention. I think we should all pay attention. But how has this changed well, this 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 sounds this is a very uh, a touchy subject in my house because my wife's a personal trainer, right? And my my son's a personal trainer. My daughter's a kinesiologist and okay, osteopath. So I'm surrounded by healthcare professionals. My diet is 
should be better. I, I'm the first to admit that. But I, I lost my dad when I was very young to heart disease. So, uh, and, and I, then I followed a very strict diet after his passing and into my you know, young adult years. But when I was diagnosed with Parkinson's, I, I kind of gave myself a break. Uh, I, I know that I shouldn't eat, you know, um, uh, cured meats and, and those kind of stuff or refined foods. I know what I should eat. I, I should do a better job. But, but sometimes over summer, I do have that extra scoop of ice cream. I kind of balance it out with, you know, uh, living well with Parkinson's. I, I, I find food very sociable. So mm. sitting around the table, engaging with people, uh, sharing stories, more important than, than what I'm eating. In my case, uh, you know, that, that's the way I've dealt with it. But uh, if, I, if I probably exercised uh, as much and ate better, I, I would probably be able to report other, you know, symptom-free um, uh, episodes. But for me, that's my compromise. I mean, that's how I, I've chosen yeah. to, to live my life. And I'm just, I'm feeling, and this is just a guess, that with the people that are surrounding you, and with your knowledge on diet and the fact that you started eating healthier when you were in, tw- in your 20s, um, that probably everything's relative. So yeah, you have a right. scoop of ice cream. That's not like so many, so many North Americans don't actually eat food. Right. Everything they eat is processed. So you're probably right. eating whole foods and having a little bit of treats here and there. Yeah. Uh, whereas a lot of people don't actually, again, they sincerely don't eat food. I'd like, you to, I'd like you to, to talk to my wife about that, if you would, Julie. I'd, I'd appreciate that. <laughs> anyway, now, now well, we're on my passions and my... Uh, your mental well-being is very important. Yes. So if an extra scoop of ice cream once every three months is going to do that, then Brad's that's kind of the way I roll. Yeah, uh, thank you, Brad. I think you should talk to my wife, too. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'll eat spinach every day, which I do. And uh, but you know it's not unreasonable to have it. <laughs> no, it certainly is not unreasonable to have it. <laughs> and on that note, I'm taking care of my mind. <laughs> That's right. I would love it, Larry, if you would tell us really what brought you here today. I.e., what you're what you're now doing because we know what you were doing mm-hmm. and we know the part of the road that you've been on. But what other than the book that you just released? Which congratulations! What day did the book come out? By the way. Uh, it came out, I think, on on the twenty, uh, the thirtieth of June, actually. Okay, and, and you uh, are an Amazon bestseller. Am I? Uh, yeah, I believe so. Uh, you know, I can. I, it's it's still hard to believe. I mean, what I what I wrote about is my story, and I and I didn't think that would ever resonate as as a bestseller. But um, I, I enjoyed the process. I, I found it therapeutic. I, I hope people. Um, read it and and are inspired to take one positive step, you know, to regulate their right. lives accordingly. Doesn't have to be Parkinson's. Exactly. Anything about it um, is is important. So for me, for me to add author to my resume um, is really quite overwhelming. I mean, I I never thought I would ever get to this point. I was writing blogs. I was overwhelmed with the positive response that I got on some Facebook blogs that I started writing in October and I just kept writing and and sort of the stories came out you know um, I had to go back to that day I was diagnosed so th- that was tough but mm-hmm. but the more important thing is to is to give these tips and 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 encourage people to take that step and and to live uh, their best authentic life as possible so what I'm doing now is is talking about it uh, you know I I um, 
I'm on the radio. There's a Parkies radio, internet-based web radio that I've got a spot apparently. So I play a bit of music. I, I talk about my book. I, I talk about some tips on Parkies radio on, on Saturday morning. So that's just an enjoyable channel of communication and mm -hmm. combines, you know, my, my subject and, and my passion with music. Um, and I'm, I'm sort of a, a patient advocate for Parkinson Canada and, and a few other research uh, groups just to talk about my experience, offer these tips and just um, engage with our tribe members essentially to try and get the best care that we can, best support that we can as early as we can because I think the face of Parkinson's disease is changing. It's no longer this old person's disease. It, it, it impacts younger people mid-careers, and, and we need different kinds of support. So I'm advocating maybe on their behalf to, to try and get that um, support necessary. That is wonderful. That's absolutely wonderful. So with your book, now, am, am I correct in saying that you, are you supporting people one-on-one, -on -one or is there some type of mentorship? What are you doing specifically um, now? Um, I, I don't know, to be honest, because it's so new to me that I just wanted to get the book out and I'm willing to talk to anybody. I think one of my, my what didn't make it into the book, the side story, I have a school report card from when I was nine years old and my teacher said I was too talkative and my talkative <laughs> nature got me into trouble. So I think I'm, I'm, I'm following that trend. I'm, I'm happy to talk to anybody at any time. I haven't formalized any coaching, but I just want to talk to anybody that uh, is dealing with a chronic illness, dealing with challenges. I'm happy to, to give tips and, and just advice and, and just try and get them living their best lives possible. That's mm. wonderful. As we said, the book is called? Shaken Not Stirred. Absolutely. And I would just like to chime in personally that I think that your book is a really, really beautiful dance between there's a lightness to your book that I really, really enjoyed. An enjoyable read, for it's sure. It's an enjoyable read about a pretty serious subject. Mm -hmm. And it's very evident that you're trying to help people moving forward. Your story is incredibly inspiring. Where you've come from is incredibly inspiring. And what you're doing moving forward is inspiring. So I would highly recommend this book to anybody, not just somebody in the I realm of Parkinson's community or whether you've got some other sort of chronic uh, affliction like that. I would recommend it to anybody because, like Julie said, it aligns totally with solid foundations for anyone. That's right. So if somebody did want to reach out to you personally, what's the best way that they can do that? Um, the book is available through my publisher, uh, booklocker.com, okay. as well as Amazon and .ca and, and Amazon.com. Um, my email address is um, Larry dot linton5 at gmail.com i'm happy to entertain any correspondence and and that's that's really you know what i've got to offer in terms of contact um, i have a, a facebook blog um, i'm at on facebook at lintonwellness.com um, and that's my media presence for now you know that's wonderful and thank you so much larry thank you so much for your time and if you guys have any questions for larry you can either email him at the address that he gave. You can reach out to us, and we will pass on the information to Larry. He has so much more content. Read the book. It really does help you uh, with your foundations no matter what you're going through. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's important 
no matter what it is, uh, whether it's a diagnosis or just a frame of mind, it's, it's nice to kind of go back to the foundations and get that, that groundwork. So thank you so much for your time today, Larry. Thank and, you. Thanks uh, for the opportunity. You'll join us again sometime. And I'll tell you, anybody that can take music, meditation, and Monty Python <laughs> and turn that into something good, you're all right in my book, my friend. That's <laughs> <laughs> a little bit in love. <laughs> Larry Linton, everybody get your hands on that book. Absolutely. Please do. And again, just ask us if you need any support on that. And thank you guys so much for listening today. Mm-hmm. You can join us on Tuesdays at 3 p.m. until we change that to a different time mm-hmm. on Facebook Live to join our conversation. And if you have any questions, then you can ask us then. You can get more information from us then. And of course, Join us on Voice America every Tuesday at 2 p.m. and anytime you want on demand. That's right. You can we find us everywhere. on Spotify, Google, iTunes. You can find us everywhere. We're everywhere. We're like a rash. We, he's like a rash. Okay, I'm um, like a rash. <laughs> thank you guys so much. Thank you for being here. Thank you again, Larry. And thank you, Brad. Thank you. Thank you, Julie. Thanks so much for joining us for this week's edition of No BS Talk. Brad Lovell and Julie Turner will be back next Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time and 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Make sure you're here, too.